and welcome to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner, and this is my podcast where every episode we make a playlist for a specific life event, moment, or occasion, always with a special guest. And today we're making a playlist for leading a campaign into a dragon's den with my very special guest, Jared Logan. Hello, Hello. yes. Comedian, writer, actor. Campaign leader. Yes, dungeon master. For sure. You you do DM in real life. Constantly. Constantly. Yes. How often? Um, I mean, at least once a week, but probably more. So I have an ongoing Dungeons and Dragons game I do every week, and then when I get the time, I do an extra game because there's other games other than Dungeons and Dragons. Of People course. don't realize that. I I've played m- much less Dungeons and Dragons than I have other type of role-playing games. Sure. Some people are aware of Vampire the Masquerade. Ooh, I am not. Oh, you don't know that one? Uh-uh. That, that got a lot of um, press because people were doing LARPing with it. And oh, they were, so they would get to be vampires and run around? They would run around, <laughs> usually downtown areas in uh, the South or the and, Midwest. Uh, a lot of crushed velvet. In a lot of like inexplicably steampunk uh, outfits, even though Vampire the Masquerade is set in the gothic modern world. Well, uh, as a vampire, you've lived so long, you collect trinkets of all these different eras. Exactly. And then you solder them together. People call it steampunk, but is it really? As a vampire, at one point you picked up a top hat and some goggles, Mm -hmm. and you were like, I should combine these. And you try to wear the goggles under the top hat, and you're like, ah, it doesn't sit right. You know what? I'll just stick them on top. Right, exactly. Why not? Keep my life simple. Exactly. Um, Or my death simple. I don't know. That was good? <laughs> I like Thank to get... What a supportive uh, you know, friend. I like your version of vampires is that they're constantly like, hey, death hack, what you can do. like <laughs> That's my other podcast. <laughs> Vampire death hacks. Death hacks. Okay, so hopefully you guys are all carrying around your blood bank blood bags, but did you know that you can freeze them and make popsicles? You dip into hot blood and... Uh, I don't know. We'll be right back on death hack. <laughs> um... That sounds like an ABC drama. Uh, death hack. Yes. Um, so yes, there's. So whenever I get a chance, uh, extra role playing games. I, I play science fiction ones, horror ones. Call of Cthulhu is one. I like all of those things. But yeah, I mean, I play the most Dungeons and Dragons. It's the most popular one. People come up to me and go, "Hey, will you run some Dungeons and Dragons for me?" And I say, "Yes." <laughs> and uh, do you have a Patreon for that? Like, do you? you... No, I do it for fun. Um, wow. I did recently do it at uh, Joe Manganiello's birthday party. Whoa, that's so funny! For a bunch of people for from Wizards of the Coast who who work for Dungeons and Dragons. Wow. Um, I think I've done something with them before. Um, I. So, do you do you ever let other people DM? I do. How I do. does that feel for you when you have when you're in this uh, position of just campaigner? Is that what we call them? What would you call the other side? The the player. player? Yeah, okay, the yeah. player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, the movie. Yeah. So, how does it feel to be a player instead of the dungeon master? Well, uh, I I I'm, I hope we're not assuming too many things about your listeners. First of all, you know the dungeon master is the guy that kind of creates the game. The players just control their warrior or their wizard inside the story the dungeon master creates. It's so, it, it's so interesting that like you're basically writing a whole story, but the choose your own like a choose your own adventure story, but you're not writing them out. You're letting people 
decide it. Absolutely. But that's so much work and the dice, to write all of that. The dice decide a lot of it too. Yeah. So, and, and honestly, as I get older and learn how to do it better, um, just uh, writing less is a good idea. Okay. Just like probably in performing comedy or even, I don't know, writing music, I have no idea. But um, Well, you do one of those I things. do write comedy. <laughs> yeah. I do write comedy. Got and, a couple uh, albums out. Probably less words is better mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the time. So in uh, writing an adventure for Dungeons and Dragons, doing you know, writing less, leaving it more open ended, and being able to improvise mm-hmm. with what the with the players want to do. Because right. the only advantage of Dungeons and Dragons over playing Red Dead Redemption is that when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons around a table with your friends, you can literally do anything you want. Yeah. Right. So that's well, the only and advantage. Also, the I think the the social aspect, like yes, sure, you can you, you can play video games together, and people have the. Um, the headset stuff so you can yeah. play video games with people that aren't even there but you are talking um but i do think there's something so nice about sitting around a table with people even when you get annoyed with them even when you're like i can't even fucking look at that guy because it was so so easy to defeat that spider and he just didn't even do it because yeah. he needed to be in charge well, if, or whatever if, if you're bringing that much static then you need to re-examine <laughs> your uh, adventuring priorities well but you know what i mean like yeah uh, no i i know i mean the, the, I, I was like being hyperbolic you... when i say it's the only advantage no, truly yeah. there are, there are uh, myriad great things right. about sitting around a table saying, with your friends that's the one i like Sure. I that's the best thing about it. No, you're right. You hit on really the best thing about it, which is the whole point of it is to laugh your ass off with your friends. That's what's going to happen if you play. Yeah. If you're playing it for another reason, like to create a powerful character who's more powerful I don't what? know what your other goals are, yeah. but get rid of them and make your main goal I laugh really hard sitting around a table with people. It's kind of like there's there's actually no way to ironically do it. Like you're you're not ironically. People try. No, but you're not. As soon as you make the effort to actually do it, you're not being ironic. You're yeah. actually doing. It's like when I was a kid, I started um, ironically saying like, because you know Valley Girls and, and yeah. it was like a cool teenager thing. And then I just say like all the time. Like it's just sure. Sorry, no. At a certain point, you're not doing it ironically anymore. You're just doing it. Right. Also, and I think I, that point with role playing games is when you sit down. I completely agree, and I say also like um, if you want to laugh harder, just play it for real. Don't don't try to be like I made a joke character who you know he wants to go to the whorehouse or whatever. Like don't try to make it funny. Like play it for real, and you'll laugh more because it's such a weird thing to do with your time. True of improv, also. But I wanted to answer your question. Sorry, yes, yes, if you don't mind, <laughs> if you don't mind. So like you asked, is it hard to be the player yes. and the the answer to that is yes it is because um i i've gone to conventions and uh, i sign up to be a player in a bunch of different dungeon masters games and i think what you'll realize is like again for like comedians or musicians like when you watch them perform what they do you love them or you are really disappointed. Like, uh, and people have different styles. Some people run their Dungeons and Dragons game uh, almost like it's like a math problem or like a an auction where it's just numbers being bandied about because they're really only concerned in the game side of it, not really mm-hmm. concerned in the story side. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if someone uh, who played that way came to my game, they'd be like, why is everybody in a very cheap regional theater production of Lord of the Rings? Mm-hmm. Like, Because, you know, I 
play with a lot of actors and comedians, so they are interested in the story or the acting of it. But um, but it does one thing that is nice about playing instead of being the dungeon master is you see all the things people do wrong or that they do right, and then you go, "Oh, I'm going to remember that," and it you makes mean, you as better. They DM? Yeah, and I think you almost at a certain point learn more playing than you do just DMing all the time. Like if you DM for a while, you get pretty good at it, but then you should go play because then you go, "Oh, I I loved it when that guy did that." Oh, I hate it when someone does that. Again, a lot like doing comedy. Yes. Like if you just wrote comedy in a vacuum, there's only so far that you would go until other people are like, did you know that there's uh, a window in this comedy room and a door and you've just been using the hole that you built to get yeah. in that? That's a metaphor inside a metaphor. I think on top I get of it. There's a hole. There's a room. <laughs> Wait, what kind of building is this? <laughs> um, it's a, a it's a small thatched roof cottage. Okay. Okay. Um, and you see it. There's a there's a walking stick, but it's a little short for what you would normally consider a human in the corner. I pick up the walking stick. Okay. <laughs> see, we're already playing D and D. There we go. Yeah. Um, so we're doing a playlist for uh, and. Normally I say, like, why did you pick this playlist? But I think we've made it clear why oh, yes. this was the choice. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, we're doing a playlist for specifically leading a campaign into a dragon's den. Right. Now, I, I have more to say. Can I, can oh, I yes. just set this up a little bit? So, Absolutely. So sometimes people play music while they... Uh, run their Dungeons and Dragons games, and that's like mm. a big thing for them. It's like, oh, when this happens, I'm gonna hit the hit the go on my Spotify and this great. Um, I'm gonna have music with my game, and I think people that do that are really cool. But I don't do that because I know, I know, I I, I don't know music. I'm a music dumb dumb, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like the songs I even chose for this are kind of like. It's kind of the music I like. Yeah. Um, and I do think it thematically goes with like the different stages of leading a group into a Dragon's Den in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh-huh. But um, I, I don't think know. you picked good songs. Thank you. I think I did too. Yeah. Because I wanted to be careful. Well, we'll get into it. You, yeah. You, you, you do. Yeah. You, you know what? It's your show. <laughs> you let me know what we're talking about next. Um, and, uh, I never know how much. Also, uh, he, well, he, you've you've exposed a bit of um, insecurity about what we're about to do, and I I'm very say, insecure about my musical taste. Okay, well, my one of my things is I'm never sure how much to say about my guest before I start. Like, I'm like, I feel like I'm a little short on bio. So, like, you got a couple albums out as a stand-up. You and yes, I sure. worked together on the Late Late Show. Yes, we did. Um, you are someone in my life that I feel like I have um, uh, forced into friendship. Um, I don't believe it was forced. <laughs> well, I think I campaigned for it. I was like, okay. I shall make a friend of Jared Logan. Yeah. Um, we've co-headlined together, and I feel like I just keep popping up like, hi, you're going to be my friend eventually. And you're like, we already okay. are. No, yeah. no, now. Yeah, now, now we are. Yeah, I'm talking like years ago when it yeah. started. Now you're in. There's no turning See, back. See, that's funny because I feel like we just kept bumping into, <laughs> bumping into each other, and I was like... Oh, yeah, I felt the exact same way. I felt like, oh, she'll be my friend at one point. There we go. We and tricked it, each other. It happened while we weren't looking. Oh, That's my when God. life happens. Yes. Okay. So now let's get into the playlist. Great. Now that everybody knows who you are and our dynamic. Great. Um, so for this campaign into the Dragon's Den, uh, I felt I picked the first song and I felt like in order to fight a to find to fight a dragon, 
dragon. You have to find the dragon. I like draken too. What is mm, that? That's a creature yeah. you could make Ooh, up. Ooh, that's like I, it's clearly some sort of vampiric dragon. Ooh, I love it. It's right? a, it's a dragon that's been bitten by Dracula. Yeah, it's a Dracula dragon. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's I'm I using that, that in my next too. campaign. Oh, oh, I can't wait. I feel so honored. Um, so yes, to fight a dragon, you have to believe in a dragon, and before you can believe in a dragon, you have to what? Believe. Imagine, Imagine a dragon. It. So this is Believe by Imagine Dragons. <laughs> I was tempted to make my choices all Imagine Dragons. Um, I would have. Okay, so when I, that would have been hilarious, but it would have been a bad playlist. When I say I know nothing about music, I mean things like I love Imagine Dragons. I know you do. And I considered putting this exact song, and I wanted to go with Believer, and I don't know why exactly. Well, it sounds like people preparing for something. Yeah. All right, I'm going to... Also, you think of a dragon's den as sort of evil and filled with, like, kind of a dark presence, and uh, the ubiquity of Imagine Dragons playing everywhere you go sort of gives you that feeling, like that sort of sinister feeling, like... They've made a deal with the devil or something. Yes. Yes, there is um, a darkness. But I love that. I love that song. Um, yeah, I, f- I want to dislike Imagine Dragons more than I do. Yeah, I don't understand why people hate them. I they think... seem fairly benign to me as far as bad music goes. Yeah, isn't it? Aren't they like Mormons or something? Isn't there some sort of Mormon connection? Mormons create all kinds of great and interesting uh, stuff, especially in the fantasy space, if yeah. I may. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Ender's Game, not from a good source, but I love it. Right, or, or there's a... Orson uh, Scott Card, bummer of a dude. There's a huge fantasy writer right now. People love his novels, Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. And I can't, like... He's huge. He's huge. He finished those Robert Jordan Wheel of Time books after Robert Jordan passed away. Uh, but I can never quite get into Brandon Sanderson books because the like attempts at humor feel oh, no. very, I grew up Mormon. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like the sexiness. <laughs> oh, no. The sexiness in, in a Brandon Sanderson book always feels like it, uh, mother and father approved it. Oh, that's also, oh, is and Twilight, too. That's Twilight all. is yes. So, but I think that I don't think that it's a reason to dislike something, but I do think that it's something that people are like Ugh, about, kind of in the same way that every time I have ever been seen reading, because I used to read publicly on the subway, mm-hmm. uh, a Narnia book, because also I've read them all over and over. People are always like, uh, you know, that's about Jesus. You know, that's you know, that's religious. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, so what? A lot of things are. That's a that's a big hero's journey story. I didn't close Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and go, you know what? I need to go to church. Like, who cares where people got their... Also, guys, some of the best art of all time was created because people were into Jesus. Yeah, but I think people are like, oh, I know a thing and it's tainted. Like, Maybe you've heard of Michelangelo and the Sistine Chapel. No, who are they? You chumps. What did they do? Uh, Michelangelo (laughs) was a very famous homosexual man. Before Uh, he was a turtle? Before he was a turtle. Okay. And he sculpted some amazing things, and he painted the ceiling of the church in Rome. Oh. The Sistine Chapel. Oh. Yeah, okay, see? So, exactly like that. And he liked God. And probably could imagine dragons. Also, I just love that their name is Imagine Dragons. It makes me giggle every time. I Yeah, that that name does annoy me a little bit. Imagine them doing what? Yeah, it's. It, I don't like that it's a command. 
You know? I, I do. I like because every time I'm, I imagine like a bunch of dragons sitting around playing cards or a bunch of dragons like just cleaning the kitchen. Like I just try to think of different things to imagine dragons doing. You know, maybe another thing. See, I'm try- I really love Imagine Dragons, but I'm trying to get into what people might dislike about them. And one thing I find a little annoying is like they have nothing to do with dragons, really. Like they never talk about them. Like. And I think but it's But don't they? I mean this song. We both um I did choose and you almost chose I almost for chose this it. playlist. No, they appeal to dorky people, sure. But perhaps there is a dragon like quality running through much of their work. Perhaps so. Actually, yeah, you could make that argument. I would just say that it, part of you them feels more. a little bit like when geek became mainstream and then people it just the the, the stock of geek kind of went really, you know, and it was for sale and then they were like, just put dragons in it and yeah. just, you know, people will buy it. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, uh, well if we make them a, a dragon toothbrush, the kids will brush their teeth. Right. That sort of thing. It reminds me of the time my geeky <coughs> roommate Roger Drank a bunch of a... Is this a real person? Yes. Okay. It was in Chicago years ago. My geeky roommate, Roger, drank like too many bottles of this stupid IPA called Dragon's Milk Stout, or maybe it was a stout, and he drank it and then he vomited all over our bathroom and didn't clean it up because he was passed out in the hallway and I was like and and then I got up and there's just vomit in the in the uh, sink and that kind of makes me think of Imagine Dragons. I mean, you think that's bad though. Just imagine dragons doing it. Wow, that would be even worse. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, Believer is off of uh, Evolve from 2017. You want to do your next song? Yes, your I'll do my, my, the, my the first. So I think before you go into the Dragon's Den, I, you made a good point. Before you can go do it, you have to believe in them mm-hmm. and you have to imagine them. Sure. Uh, so that really is the first step. <laughs> then you have to go on sort of a quest through a bucolic and pastoral fantasy world. Right, yes, uh, much, meadows and stuff. Meadows and hills and dales, and you have to meet Tom Bombadil and do The all- best part, I mean, I talk about Tom Bombadil all the time. I have explained Tom Bombadil to so many people. I bring him up more than I'd like, but in case anybody doesn't know, he's a character that was cut out of the Lord of the Rings movies because he's too silly. Well, yes, but also, I think of him as a, a great metaphor. Um, he's the one thing that was, that was not affected by the ring. So while the whole world was being, like, you know, totally torn apart Thrown over into this upheaval ring. by yeah. evil forces. Yeah, he he was not affected by it, and he didn't give a shit about it. So for me, every time I have someone in my life who doesn't know anything about comedy or the entertainment business or anything, I'm like, oh, it's a Tom Bombadil. These things that I think are so important actually are not. Look, this person just lives their life here in the woods that's... and ha- and is unaffected by it. Yeah, that's nice. But they probably have their own things. Like, they're like, sure. oh, the plumbing business, it's cutthroat. Tom Bombadil probably did, too. Yeah. Tom Bombadil was, like, really upset about, like, you know, um, oak diseases. <laughs> yeah. Like, various tree stuff, tree, tree stuff really, really yeah. uh, got him angry. Don Bombadil, his cousin, who was, like, a real kind of, she's kind of a bitch. Right. And she made family events really uncomfortable. Right. What if we found out that Tom Bombadil was a cutter? <laughs> Because he just had a horrible mother. And that that was why he wore long sleeves all the time? I guess so. Like somebody walks in in the bathroom, and he's like, get out of here, shut up, don't look at me. Do you remember that Tom Bombadil had a wife named Goldberry? No. I think it was Goldberry. And he had a pony named Fatty Lumpkin. See, and it was all based on like his, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's 
kid's toy, right? Oh, probably. Yeah, I believe. I, don't, I didn't know that part. Yeah, somebody had a toy that they had named Tom Bombadil, and he was like, I'm going to stick it in the book for the kids. Yes. They're going to like that. Anywho. So, anywho. So, anytime <laughs> I think about, like, you know, Frodo and his friends kind of prancing through the meadows uh, on their merry quest, I think of 70s Prague <coughs> rock, mm-hmm. um, and people will try to push uh, Stairway and, and Zeppelin on you, and those are, I mean, it's good, but that's but not the only that. thing, that's not the only thing that happens has that feel and for me actually the song uh i've seen all good people by yes has more of the feel of like wandering through the meadow going along in your quest mm-hmm. with your ragtag band of pals yeah each day so satisfied i'm on my way yeah it's this part hey here we are did you bring your water flask? Yes, and my bag of holding. I'm wearing a large, floppy, pointed hat, and it's red. I have made these leather shoes myself, for that was my trade prior to now. I've always wanted to stay in my small town, village even, but now I find that the forces at work in this fantasy world are drawing me uh, down the road. And back again. There has been a call to adventure. Uh, that was fr- from the 1971 Yes album. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like a lot of Yes songs. This also has parts that like help you. Um, it's actually kind of, it talks about a queen. And it also says. Stuff, like yeah. Chess in there. There's a lot of chess stuff in there. But it's, it's it could, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is also played on a grid with miniatures. And Ooh. you don't want to surround yourself with yourself. It's a bad strategy. What do you mean? In a combat situation, you don't want to surround yourself with yourself. What do you That's mean? something they keep saying in the song. Oh. Don't surround yourself <laughs> with yourself. We don't have to pay the royalties if I sing it, do we? We don't have to pay the royalties anyway. Oh, sweet. Because I'm on the run. Uh, no, because I stay in fair use by educating and promoting different uh, artists. I think it's cool that you've built a recording studio in this moving bus. Yeah. Don't tell anyone where it is. Yeah, I won't. Um, yeah, I think that obviously the 70s prog rock is so associated with it. But you're, as you were saying, people know the big things already. We don't need to tell you about, uh, like, I don't know, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I'm I'm letting people know about a very obscure band called <laughs> Yes. No. I really can listen to Yes all day long. <coughs> um, oh, how, did you, was your way into the band um, Dungeons and Dragons, or did you find them two different places? So I got into a kind of prog rock phase by by playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, um, what I think is great is that early Dungeons and Dragons from like the seventies and eighties, where it had this kind of very psychedelic kind of uh, aesthetic to it. Uh, everything was very like day glow. Mm-hmm. The illustrations were black light posters. Black light posters, doing exactly. Shrooms. Big mushroom mm-hmm. black light posters, and like uh, the, the the art wasn't quite like photorealistic like it got later with like the Hildebrandt brothers doing all those textures. It was like it was a lot more like this sort of like down and dirty like DIY thing that all these like weird Wisconsin nerds cobbled together. Um, and they liked stuff like this. They liked they liked this kind of rock, I think. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I I considered going the prog rock direction, but I felt like we we 
I feel like we we um, dip our toe in in this playlist, right? And then don't stay on it too long. Yeah, I don't want to just like I didn't want to come in and be like, here are seven heavy metal songs that all sound like a man growling at you. Well, I didn't say that I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have one of those. But the next song that I put on, um, again, we're still we're we're traipsing through meadows. Yes. Um, we're we're sitting around fires and sharing elven songs, I yes. suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. I am just a poor boy, though my story Yes. Now, lyrically, yes, it's pretty urban, but it sounds like some kid who walked out of Queens and into some strange world. I, I love this as a choice. I, I think that it's definitely... It has... Some songs just weirdly have, like, a Dungeons & Dragons feel, and well, this does. It's also that, that early 70s era. Can we keep going till we get to the part that everybody knows? Um, yeah, this feels like Bilbo heading out, and it's got. I have a song later that's very contemporary. And you're like, why would that be on a D and D playlist? And I'm like, it feels medieval. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, and it was probably influenced by that. And also, like, everyone is building stuff off of each other, off of each other, off of each other. You know, like the whole creative process and psychics. There it is. Yeah. So, yes, you know this song, The Boxer, um, from Bridge Over Troubled Water, 1970. Um, I saw Paul Simon in concert. Oh, yeah. I was really jealous that you guys got to go to that. Yeah, and some other people. The Hollywood Bowl, right? Yeah, it was on a Wednesday at like 7 p.m. because all of his fans are his age. Well, they also keep things pretty early at the Hollywood Bowl because uh, of the the sound bleed so there's a hard out for everybody yeah but Kara just kind of acted like she was at Bonnaroo anyway your wife Kara yeah my wife a previous guest Mm -hmm. and then she it was so funny there were all these like kind of very serious old people trying to be quiet around us and Kara was going woo and then she (laughs) spilled her jug of white wine on these people in front of us well they have an interesting drinking thing there where when you buy wine or anything um, it, like a bottle of it, they'll pour it into a plastic cup. Yes. So people are holding entire bottles of wine in plastic cups with like a straw. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, these people were holding half a bottle of white wine on their clothes, and then <laughs> they were so upset. Actually, she didn't spill the whole thing on them. She got a couple drops on them, and they were like, but behavior is important at a rock concert. Uh And she was just like, screw you. You're at live music. Anyway, it was fun to be a nightmare at the Paul Simon concert. I went with your wife, Kara, to see uh, a few shows there, but uh, this one was Lauren Hill. And I was the one who got furious with people around us because they were sitting in our seats. Yeah. And we were trying to get people to move because we couldn't figure out. We're like, why? Are, where are our seats? If they're And finally, these two people who had just decided to sit there got up and moved to their actual seats without a word, without looking at us, without saying anything. And the their friends were like all around us. So they were still sit. We were still sitting in the midst of their friend group. Yeah. And no one acknowledged it. And I was like, "Are you serious?" And there was like at least one like visibly pregnant woman with us. And I'm like, "Really? Really? That's what? No one is gonna say anything?" And Carol was like, "Come on." Whose concert was okay. that? Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to pour my drink purposefully on them. I was so mad. But they moved. 
but they moved after we had been like, um, hey, what's going on? Could, okay, what's your ticket? What's your ticket? Can you guys slide down? Can you, can you, hey, um, what's your guys' ticket? And they like w- ignored us and didn't say anything. It wouldn't answer when we asked them what, what seats they were supposed to be in. So you we're like, f- uh, you, you're okay. fiery. I, uh, yeah. You, that furnace burns hot. It does, like a dragon. <laughs> like a dragon's furnace, like a dragon's chest furnace. I just feel like, look, if you, no, it's rude. Yeah, it's completely rude. rude. And just say we did this. But you know, or like, oops, sorry. I'll never see him again. Ugh, I wanted to pour my whole plastic cup full of a bottle of wine on their heads. Yeah, but I didn't. But anyway. you know what I think you should have done? It brings us to our, my next song, okay. Let It Be. No, I'm kidding. Not, I didn't choose Let It Be. <laughs> no, but we can bring Let you to, it your, be. to your next song. Oh, yeah, my next song. So my next song is, I feel like, okay, you're going to fight the dragon, but, like, check it out. Like, you got to get ready for it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you got to, like, want it, right? Because it's going to be a tough fight. Like, emotionally, you, you got yeah, yeah, maybe you got to train for it. Maybe Ooh. you got to do, like, uh, a bunch of roles in, like, an obstacle course. And um, this is, song I'm about to play uh, is a training song. It's the ultimate pump-up song. It is Michael Bolton's The Hunger. Off of the album, The Hunger. Yes. From 1987. Oh, listen to that sax. Do you know how many albums he had put out before this? I think only one or two, right? Four. This was his fifth album. Oh, wow. He was a totally different... He was like like hard rock and metal until this album. Interesting. This redefined him and made him a star. I know that his original name was Michael Bolotin, yep. and I think he made a good choice in changing that. Yeah, just moving that O over and get rid of that I. I usually think people should keep their same name. Well, in a minute it goes, When you got the hunger. <laughs> we can keep it going. Here it goes. That's it. Oh yeah! Now I see them. They're doing they're doing like a little push-ups and stuff. Oh half yeah! Push-ups. Yeah, they're wearing um, leg warmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. sure. You know, they're, like they're, you do in Dungeons and their Dragons. Archery. Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. And I love this song. My mother owned every. My my parents were fairly Christian and uh, didn't go in for a lot of music. Actually, they knew almost none. But my mother had every Michael Bolton album, and everywhere she would drive us she would play the michael bolton cassette tapes and i know because of this i know every word to almost every michael bolton song if you play it for me but do you have do you have an answer to how we could be lovers how could we be be lovers if we can't be friends i think that the uh song makes it very clear that you cannot oh okay yeah all right so it's it's kind of more of a statement. Um, we cannot be lovers if we can't be friends. Also, spoiler, uh, said I loved you, but I lied. That's sort of clickbait for the fact that he loves you more than even saying oh, the word love. Oh, okay. So it's, it's more than love he feels inside. It's kind of like um, more than words by extreme, except less about trying to get a girl to blow you? Um, absolutely not about getting a girl to blow, okay. blow you. It's a very kind of a sweet uh, sentiment said I loved you but I lied but these are more than words I feel inside mm, so not like more than love I feel inside saying I love you are not the words I want to hear from you it's not that I want you not to say but if you only knew how easy it would be to show me how you feel with a blowjob like Extreme says that's not what Michael Bolton's no, about what, uh, yeah. yeah I don't I you know I I tend to not notice when songs are about blowjobs yeah, I don't. I I didn't notice it when I was a kid. 
And then when I got older, I was like, oh, right. You oh, know that song, Re- tricky. Relax, Don't Do It When You Want to Come? Uh huh. Like, I had heard it many times as an adult before I was like, oh, wait a second. That's about coming. I mean, the lyrics to Grease Lightning are filthy. Yeah. And I loved that when I was a kid. Um, you Are Supreme, The Chicks Will Cream. Had no idea what we were talking about, but I always visualize ice cream. When I, I hear still it. don't know what someone means when they say that chick is going to cream. What does that mean to cream? Um, it's about frothing egg whites. Is it female ejaculate we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, it is. It's about just spraying the walls. Uh, you know, <laughs> I I don't know. You don't care for that? Well, I just don't. I think Christian it's, upbringing. <laughs> I think it's just something that porn stars do. I don't think that uh, oh, your regular run of the mill lady. Is uh, is creaming? Is get well? No, I, th- I think it's more uh, a, a pre-juice is what we're talking about. Oh, okay. You're, they're gonna get all creamed up, as the kids never say. It's not a cream. <laughs> if it looks like a cream, <laughs> consult your physician. <laughs> that depends on the time of the month, honestly. Oh my god. Okay. Um. So anyway, here's my question. Yes. J.R.R. Tolkien yes. obviously has very much influenced uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Would you say completely birthed it? Um, no, I would not. So okay. uh, there are many other great writers. In fact, Tolkien is pretty low on my list of my favorite fantasy writers from mm-hmm. uh, the pre-1980s. You know, by the 80s, Dungeons and Dragons was big business and a lot of people started writing fantasy novels. Cartoon even on Saturday Yeah, there was mornings. a cartoon. Yeah. But, you know, in the 70s and in, even in the 60s, there are people like Michael Moorcock, L. Sprague de Camp. I love the 30s uh, Conan stories of Robert E. Howard. Um, there are so many writers. Um, Moorcock is really a, a big favorite so of mine. Poole Anderson. There's not a lineage there. It's just all in the same world of fantasy. What's lovely is if you do want to talk writers, um, there's this thing called the Appendix N that Gary Gygax, the creator of Dungeons & Dragons, put into the back of one of the manuals. And it's just a list of books he read. And it's all these pre-1974 fantasy novels that are fan Fantastic, Roger J- Roger Zelazny, The Chronicles of Amber. That's a good one. He makes this giant list. They all are like 250 pages. It takes you no time to read. They're they're written in that 60s ish pulp style. And when you read all of those and then look at a monster manual, you'll be like, oh, that this monster manual came from all of these books, not just Tolkien. Yeah, who kind of contributed the elves and the dwarves. And the, and the halflings, they're called halflings in D&D, but they're hobbits in Tolkien. He kind of contributed some of that stuff, but that's about all he contributed. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I feel like it's it's uh, there's a lot of association for a lot of people. Oh, they're absolutely, I mean, it's there. It's I mean, there. Smaug is who many of us uh, visualize. With a dragon. Yes. Okay, yeah, I'll give you the dragon, too. He, he he has the best dragon, probably, Tolkien. Yeah. A lot of those books don't even have dragons. But a lot of them are so great because they're, like, really trippy, like, you know, uh, Michael Moorcock. It's all anti-hero. It's not like – I one thing I hate about the hobbits is they're, like, so wholesome and middle class. And they're like, is there a large cheese I could eat? And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you guys. And I like Michael Moorcock because his character is named Elric. And Elric is an albino prince who's kind of Bowie-esque and always makes the wrong choice for himself. So we would call him perhaps chaotic neutral or chaotic evil? 
Uh, we would. He's chaotic neutral for sure. Maybe okay. here. I uh, strive to be chaotic neutral, but I know I'm not. I know I'm lawful good, and yeah, it's really irritating. I know. Can I can I tell you something that I memorized? I memorized yes. the back of an Elric novel. The what they put on the back. Why? Tell me why first. Because I tell read it, it so many times, and then uh, not just the back of it. I read the novel so many times mm-hmm. that I just kind of ended up memorizing it. Okay, go for it. In the land of sorceress Melnibone. Elric sits upon the ruby throne, an albino kept alive by drugs and magic. I'm in. His <laughs> is a path few would choose willingly, colon, eternal adventure. I'm so in. Eternal adventure. Is that the whole thing? That's the whole thing. That's, That's all the it blurb. Takes. Oh, wow. It sold me. Um, well, I think I've probably done this on the podcast before, and I'm sure you've heard me do this, but... One of the things that I have memorized is I will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the oh, little death. Great. It brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will allow it to pass over and through me. And where it has gone, I will turn the inner eye and follow its path. Oh, and I will turn the inner eye and follow its path. And where it has been, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Oh, I might have messed that That's uh, Dune, right? That's the fear mantra from Dune. And speaking of fear, now that we have trained, it is time to descend. Yes, it is. Into the den of yes. the dragon. And so... As we go into the cold, murky darkness, mm-hmm. young people, not knowing our fate, but knowing we must enter this strange new world, running into walls by into another. We are having to become... Into Another is the name of this? Yes. I've never heard of this. I will tell you about it. We are having to become great, but it is scary. We gotta hear a little of the vocals. Okay, we can fade it up. Uh, so Into Another is a band that uh, they were they f- were formed in the in New York in the early 90s. The lead singer was this guy, um, Richie Birkenhead, who before then had been known as the lead singer of Youth of Today. Okay. Which was a real, like, hardcore straight-edge band. I almost put a Youth of Today song on here called Firestorm, just, you know, the whole dragon fire thing. Sure. And decided against it because it was, again, very urban, very, like, street by street, block by block, taking it all back. Right. Um, like, I didn't like all the lyrical content of it. But, uh, so this... So that was like hardcore. And then this kind of like was this weird side project that he did after that, not side project, like project project, that now from where we are here feels like very much painting the pathway for uh, evanescence and that sort of feeling of like weird, uh, emo-y something. They toured with White Zombie. So when I was a kid, I saw them open. These guys toured with White Zombie? Yeah, they were a feature act for White Zombie. Maybe I didn't hear enough of it, but you were like, this is the Dragon's Den. And I was like, are they offering you herbal tea when you walk in? (laughs) No, but I mean. It seemed pretty chill. Well, that's just, the the Dragon's not there. I'm saying, we're like walking down the the hallway. But even walking down in, it feels like like, like we're walking into the hallway and they're like, we got some stuff on the grill if you guys are hungry. Um, Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't. Sound like the oh me. man, you gotta borrow this book I've been reading, and he hands you like 
Robinses, even cowgirls not, get the blues. Uh, we're, we're not we're not in the the dragons room. Of right. it. We're entering like the mountain that he lives in. Okay, right on. You okay. know what I'm saying? So we're all just right. like, all right, time to take things seriously. No more chilling, joking around with each other. We're hanging out with the mountain people. And it gets a little, there's like a little bit chunkier, harder guitar stuff after that. But um, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like it's in the in the world. I see uh, uh, the weird toadstools and shit. Sure, absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the hill folk mm-hmm. that live around the mountain. You want it to be scarier, though. Well... Um, no, maybe we're not there yet. We're not there You know, yet. I like, to, like the idea that, you know, leading a campaign into a dragon's den, maybe it takes a while to get to the den. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, can maybe we Maybe you be... stop and meet some people and have some fun times first. Look, it's not supposed to be uh, you just wham, bam, thank you, dragon. You can die. You need to, like, you know. Yeah. You need to enjoy your life, stop, smell the roses. And you need to be like, oh, shit, there aren't roses here anymore. This is a different kind of place. Yeah. I'm in a different zone now right you know it's like when you start a new job and you're like oh fuck i'm at a big studio uh i am on a studio lot that's kind of weird and different and i'm not being asked to write something yet i'm not being asked to fix a problem for a tv show but i'm in a different zone now yeah i've heard about this how there are different zones on the campaign map oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then you could get you guys want to go through the swamp of despair or the mountains of loneliness or whatever Mm -hmm, exactly those are bad examples but yeah um one of the first i think the first role-playing game i ever played was the marvel superheroes role-playing game yeah which i was very into i ended up buying it i did not have anybody who would play with me so i would just make characters over and over and over again yeah so i had used to have just like a book of characters on graph paper that i had you know, written out and drawn, and I lost it on my moon. It's so upsetting. Well, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have any of the cool old shit I used to have. Yeah. Um, I do remember that I had created a villain named William Wealthy, and his pl- dastardly plan was he was going to steal all of the world's most expensive items and sell them back at twice their worth. Oof. Yeah. Pretty evil stuff. Yeah. I don't um, know how. Because they would be like, hey, that's my golden bathtub. Yeah, it does not work at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he lived in Cash Mansion. <laughs> Wait a second. Did you steal this? He had two... Cash Mansion? <laughs> yeah. He had two uh, si- henchmen who were both women. They were um, prostitutes by day and henchwomen by night, which is bad hours for prostitution. Right. Um, and their hobbies were chewing gum and swearing. So I do remember that. It's not very sex positive. Um, um, but... In playing that game, one of the first things I remember was we were in a um, an office building, and we were in an elevator, and they told us the numbers of the buttons that, like, you know, describing it, and there was no 13. And I was, like, eight years old or something, and so I'd never noticed that or known about that, and I was like, aha, they're hiding a 13th floor. Let's go up to the 14th floor and punch our way down. And we did, and that's how I found out that a lot of office buildings just don't have 13th floors because they're unlucky. Wait, you punched through the floor? I did. I made the campaign punch through the floor, and we wasted time. Um, But still, I had like a bunch of 11-year-olds being like, okay, we'll do what this 8-year-old says. No, but you know what? Your, Your game master should have been like, you found it, the 13th floor. And William Wealthy is there with a gun. <laughs> Your game master should have gone. He should have yes anded you. Yeah, no. I think maybe they were also a little bit like, we should teach these children a little something about the world. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, if the, if he had 
if, if, I think it was actually a couple, if either of them had done that, once I, the first time I was in an office building and noticed that, that there was no 13th floor, I would have been like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's a hidden floor, just like that game I played. Quick, someone punched through the floor. <laughs> they, you were afraid that you were going to just try to employ this in real life. Yeah. Well, they might have been. They might have been like, we should make sure they know that this is just a thing. We used to make up superheroes, too. My, my brother and his friends and me, and then we would play the, like, the you know, the superhero role-playing games. We had something called Hero System. Mm-hmm. But, um... My one friend would annoy us because he always gave his superhero the same powers. Like he would give his superhero, his superhero would be like Hawk Avenger or something. And he'd be like, he has wings and talons. And you're like, okay, cool. That's cool. And he'd be like, and Mind Shield and Mind Blast. No matter what the character was, he had Mind Shield and Mind Blast. Like it's Ninjor. He's a ninja and he can throw down smoke bombs and he has Mind Shield and Mind Blast. Well, I mean... Yeah, sometimes once you figure out what the ultimate power is, why would you not want to give that your was exactly the his power? thing? That's yeah, exactly what he thought. He was like, "Look, <laughs> a, I will not have this character have his mind controlled. I will not have it happen." Can a, due to my negligence, can a mind controlling person not be mind control led? Well, because he had Mind Shield. Oh, so Mind okay. Shield, which was something in these other books we read called Lone Wolf. Uh, they weren't even like a power in the game, but he would like bring it over. And uh, yeah, Mind Shield would protect him from every... Uh, There's something about being mind controlled that this kid could not stand. And then Mind Blast was just so he could punish the person that tried it. You know, like you just blast them with your mind to be like, ah, uh, 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 don't you dare try to control my mind. Mm. I can't. You know what? The more I talk about it, the more I just think that kid was really smart and cool. Yeah, like it, I, it's one of those things that once you know about, it would be really hard to not just go ahead and be like, "Yeah, give me some mind control and, and mind mind blast and mind shield." Yeah, here also um, throw it we, in. We picked characters from the I forgot the name of them, but those um, comic books that would that were basically just like a compendium of every. Oh, like the who's who was what DC had. And then Marvel had the handbook Marvel to the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So like we all picked like really obscure, like two episode, two issue cameo type of characters. Well, not all of us. I did. Um, Other people picked like big famous ones. Um, Most of the ones that I created, the the heroes were all like the had something to do with like popular girls in my world. So or who I wanted to be. For some reason, I thought secretaries were like. The cool, powerful. Well, I thought that was like the cool young woman job to have because I was like, I don't want to be like a nurse or I a like teacher. That. The secretary. I'll be a secretary. So there's a lot of secretaries who also they would they would have a job, and then by night be in a band. Mm-hmm. A lot of keyboard players, a lot of saxophone uh-huh. players, and then by later that night, later that night they were superheroes who could fly, and more than one lived in Nags Head, North Carolina, which Ooh. I just decided. Crime is rampant. That was where the rich girls would go on vac- in my in Richmond would go on vacation. Someone and stole my Roanoke there. Lost Colony T-shirt. <laughs> yep, exactly. Please help me. Yeah, someone stole a colony. Hold on, I'll go on my lunch break. Do you remember Nightman? Did you ever hear of Nightman? He was a real character that had a bad, cheap TV show, and it was so funny because he was like a vigilante. Why does that sound worse than Darkman? Nightman? Yeah, because it sounds like he's a night manager or like a night watchman or, or something. Or like a nightmare. 
uh, yeah, he he's he's real bad. He was this guy that had like a long mullet because he was a jazz musician. But if you think about that, jazz musicianing happens at fucking night, night yeah. man. So he would have to set up a hologram of him playing jazz. Did they, he actually? That was part of it. This is part of it. It was oh, in the TV yes. show. He set up the hologram of him playing jazz, and then he would go fight crime and get back before the hologram set was over. How was that enjoyable for him? I know. Yeah, and then his one power was that he was his mind was tuned to the frequency of evil. And also, shouldn't he be, like, doesn't he need to be in the moment to improvise with other jazz players? In Isn't that the whole thing with Clearly, jazz? Clearly, whoever conceived of Nightman had very little understanding of jazz. Ugh, how dare they! Next song is yours. They didn't understand the nuances of jazz. Oh, okay. Play so song. I feel like we gotta we gotta get into the fight now. We gotta <laughs> yes. get in. You're descending down the uh, iker soaked stairs yes. past the miter encrusted portals that lead into a uh, forbidden and lost ruin. And uh, so you're feeling like you're you're walking to your death. And we need some classic heavy metal now. We've been we've been holding off in the heavy metal for too long. So this is my favorite. All-time heavy metal band, and I like a lot of them. Uh, It's Iron Maiden, Hallowed Be Thy Name. And this has, I think, the greatest Ah, chorus in heavy metal. Got that little chamber music touch in there. And it's actually about a guy going to the gallows, but it it just captures the foreboding of, are we about to die? Off of the 1982, The Number of the Beast. Yes. Now, the only problem with heavy metal, I I, I wanted to play for a while because the chorus is the the greatest in, in, I think, of all heavy metal. But um, the only problem with heavy metal is that all of the songs I was looking at for heavy metal, they take so long to get rolling. Like, Oh, it depends on your... On what type of heavy metal? Sure, but a lot of the classic stuff starts with five minutes of wind sounds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of drama. Yeah, exactly. It's theatrical. Yeah, which is what I love about it. Yeah. Running low. The last single to uh, feature Bruce Dickinson until 2000's The Wicker Man. Sure. I don't know that much about them so much. Iron Maiden. Well, like a lot of those like mega bands, they've had so many members. A lot, and you know, the band you liked a little bit later wasn't even. You know, they was they were gone. Like, mm-hmm. but um, what I do like about them is that they write a lot of songs that are like this one's based on the rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. They like to show off their how literate they were. Yes, and uh, I I think they're, it's so funny. English, yes. They're very British, yes. very British. Oh, they have this great. Um, <laughs> they drink fucking tea on stage. I mean, they probably fucking do. That's how fucking British <laughs> they are. And another thing I love is their big live album, Live After Death, mm-hmm. was shot. <laughs> was was recorded in Long Beach, California. And there's this part where Dickinson's just going scream. <laughs> and then he sings a song about uh, 18th century romantic poetry. Oh, I love it. Scream for me, Long Beach. What are your albums called? My albums are mm-hmm. called My Brave Battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my first album. My second one's called The Twilight Door. Hmm. Yeah, The Twilight Door sounds uh, real, real you. I tried I mean, to make they both it. Do but that feels like that's also a book that you would you would write. Sure. I tried to make it kind of weirdy, kind of like fantastical. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is a line in, in, in a joke, but yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what to call my album and I'm just like, ugh. 
Who knows? Who cares? Buns and puns. Ooh, I like that. There we Eliza go. Eliza Skinner, buns and puns. I wanted to call it jokes to fuck to, but someone else has already done that or done something very close to it. <laughs> jokes to make love to? That's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Ah, uh, well. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, and uh, Live After Death is... It's a great album. It's title. a great title, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a great it's a great live album. Yeah, I also was considering playing on the on the live of it because, like, I think that's funny because all comedy albums are live. Sure, yeah, that's funny. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Eliza now Skinner alive. Well, yeah. that just sounds like you. A lot of alive people do have that. Oh show. no! Now I I saw Greg Greg Proops one time who I do think is so funny. So funny. And someone asked him what is the greatest album title of all time, and he said it's easily Frampton Comes Alive. Oh yeah, that is really great. Yeah. Ah fuck, that's so good. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean you can't be a, a Skinner, Skinner comes, comes alive. alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I'll figure it out. Uh, it's just one of wait, the... Skinner alive. Have you yeah, done that? Yeah, I've that, I've used that on a lot of different things. Um, but I want, yeah, I'm not sure. I want to. I don't think this has earned it. This. What about uh, B. F. Skinner? Like the B- famous, e- the yeah. famous behavioralist. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. When I say, oh, I also have a show called Skinner Box, and a lot of people think that it's just a reference to mm, my genitalia. Oh, no. Which it is also. I didn't think of that at all. But it's, like, they yeah. don't know what an actual Skinner Box is. When I hear the word box, box, I never think of vaginas. Well, we already know that you are a very good boy from <laughs> your feeling on creaming and your overall upbringing. Hey, I'm not a hero. I just don't hear box and go, oh, a Pussy. Oh, I hear everything and go, ah, a pussy or a dick or balls or buttholes. Yeah. I'm a weird person. Last night I was playing Magic the Gathering. Of course. And um, I got this card. It was a type of a goblin that I could play sure. called, called a Mud Buttons Torch Runner. That feels like a slur. And mud, I don't know who it's button. a slur against, and, but it feels like it should not be said. And when I showed it to my friends, I was like, that's so weird. Mud buttons, what I call my asshole. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got a card, really I did, called a click slither. That's, uh, yeah, that sounds like something that when you're in middle school, you hear about from a high school boy. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't know what your click slither is? No. Oh, well, you know, that's... You put it in the mud button. Um, oh, God. Um, that's all gross. Mm-hmm. Um, do we need to say anything else about Iron Maiden? Only oh, that well, even you Iron Maiden is a reference to like medieval torture implements. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, th- this song's just so great. Uh, people like if you've never listened to Iron Maiden before, really go do it because it's if you like any kind of like epic kind of crazy music. And um, I always think it was so funny that my parents thought it was satanic. That's what I was about to say. It's all it's so funny to me that these things were like evil. Yeah, if anything, it's grad student y. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's trying a little too and hard to be. And my dissertation upon yeah. the rape of the lock. My thesis will get high marks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot more Beowulf than Beelzebub. It really is. It really <laughs> is. I think it was the scary album covers with that with that scary character on the front, but you know they that keeper kind of yeah th- he has a name and of course it's escaping me but that the, the those covers sold those albums too sure big time oh yeah I mean I, I remember there was a rack in the grocery store that had comic books and metal mag magazine and, and um 
and horror movie magazines. Yes. All three. So I was scared of comic books for a long time because of that. Because I was like, I've seen Kiss with blood coming out of their mouths. So no thank you. I will not see that werewolf movie or read X-Men. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to be taken up in the rapture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's terrifying. I didn't know that kids who were... Were you brought up thinking that the rapture was an actual thing that was coming? They preached about it a lot at my church. So does that mean when you were by yourself, did you think you had... That the rapture had happened and you'd gotten left behind? Yes. Wow. I mm-hmm. never knew that that was a thing that kids grew up with. That's so terrible. I That's had so that scary. anxiety a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did you do you? I would call my grandmother, whom I thought was the most just holy and religious and blameless woman in the world. Now I know quite the opposite was true <laughs> as an adult, but I thought that if I called her and she was still on earth, then I was fine. So that was so your check-in. That was my check-in. And I feel like she probably got four or five phone calls when I was a, an adolescent where she was like, why is this kid calling me? You're just like, hey, what's up? Like you didn't say? I didn't I didn't need anything. I was just, yeah, just calling to talk. But you didn't like, want to tell her I was a little worried that maybe the rapture had happened? And no, I, I did check. not. No, that is like it's Voldemort. You do not speak its name. Oh, okay. Like you would never admit that you think that you might not have gone up in the rapture. And I would call her and I think that she was just like, why are you, why are you calling? And I'm like, just to talk to you. And it's like. Why is a 12-year-old boy interested in calling his what grandma? What a nice 12-year-old boy. Yeah. I think you probably had a better relationship with her than you would have otherwise. Oh, I don't Thanks, know. Thanks, Rapture. Thank yeah. you, Rapture. And you played uh, Jesus in my audio pilot about the Rapture. That's right. Or Jesse, who was Jesus. Right. Um all right, next song in the playlist, we're fucking fighting this dragon. We're in it. Yes. We're a bunch of regular-sized people. It's a huge, leathery lizard. Wait, we're fighting it now. We're fighting oh, it. Oh, okay. We are fucking fighting it. And this is My Black this Ass. This is me and Julio down by the schoolyard. No. No. It's My Black Ass by Shellac. Okay. Um, off of At Action Park um, in 1994. <laughs> Now, this is some 90s hardcore in answer to your, uh, what, 80s metal. Yeah, okay, I feel it. We're circling. Right? We're circling the dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spellcasters, get in the back! Ranger, use your ranged attacks! I can't, my arms are bound from before! It still hasn't worn off. Oh, the arachnid had a restraining effect. <laughs> um, yeah, so this, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Um, shellac is, um, I think, I can't tell how well-known Shellac is. Um, I think if you like hardcore, you definitely know him. Steve Albini's They're They're hardcore? Yeah. Does that mean they go, No. Because hardcore people do that, right? Um, I think it depends on what you mean by that and what no no that i think you're thinking of like maybe death metal no death metal also sings like that but hardcore i thought a hardcore was like okay what is hardcore wait i told you i know nothing about music it's like well is it fugazi uh, fugazi kind of straddles it is Um, it uh well rage against the machine no um Yes, it's. I guess I keep getting. I keep getting farther away. Barbara Streisand. Fugazi would be like a poppy version of hardcore. That's how I would define it. Okay. Okay. Um, hardcore is like punk is kind of a higher, more shrill thing, and then hardcore came in with more of like a bass 
and um, like like a lower kind of feeling to it. Yeah. But it grew out of punk, and there was it was also wrapped up a lot of it in. I think that a lot of the connection with um, Fugazi and Minor Threat is that a lot of the connection to hardcore is was with Straight Edge. Right. Okay. So, so wait, was that is that in your background? Are you? Yes, you like I, I come from edge? a straight edge family. Uh, yeah, I uh, I went through a, a straight edge phase, and I yeah. am from Virginia, which is kind of the worst straight edge. Uh, they were they were known as uh, bad bad kids, bad kids, a lot of, a lot of bad kids. Yeah. Um, because, so you, did you mosh? Uh, not really. I mean, our pits were not safe at yeah. all. Like they were for real dangerous. Like, yeah. um. But uh, and and they wouldn't have called it moshing either. Moshing would again. I was like more punk kids. Thing. Did you skate? No, but were you a I, skater? I I had friends who were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a skater when I was younger, and then once I grew up, and my center of balance changed, and skateboarding, I skateboarding, not roller skating. Yes, skateboarding. Uh, skateboarding. I roller I skated. Couldn't do any tricks. I roller skated. I, I would, did definitely roller. Skate. I would ride my. I would take my roller skates over to where the skateboarders were hanging out. No. And I'd be like, hey, dudes, let's do this. No, you I'll didn't. pop an ollie. That's not true. And they'd be like, get out of here. We're listening to Minor Threat. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, I'm a minor threat on these things. <coughs> and I'd do a little donut in my, in my roller skates. Um, Well, shellac, by the way, is uh-huh. a little bit more interesting than just like the dirt hardcore that I was, that I, I'm kind of more familiar with. Um, Steve Albini is more, probably more well known as a producer. He produced um, Pod by the Breeders and uh, Surfer Rosa by the Pixies. I love that. And In Album. Utero by Nirvana. Yes, I've heard of it. Okay. So, so yeah, he's like a, a very well-established producer. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... Th- Not some... great at picking band names, though. Shellac? You don't like it? No, come on. Why? It's just so mundane. It's like varnish. Can I? Can I? Furniture su- polish. Can I sweet- the band. Can I sweeten the deal by pointing out that the album title is um, uh, "At Action Park." At shellac at Action Park. Do you know Action Park? Oh right, they made a Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> That's the funniest thing. That's a Johnny Knoxville movie, isn't it? N- well, no, I don't. Yeah, know. They, they did. It, they made an does? Action Park movie. Wow, it bombed pretty bad. Um, but you know about the actual Action no, Park? No, yeah, it was a amusement park with no safety uh, precautions. Yeah, an amusement park in New Jersey that like people actually died at. Yeah, and they didn't close it, and they it was very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So I guess shellac is dangerous after all. Hey, kind of. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I, f- I feel like that this is also a world of music that I knew a lot about when I didn't know a lot of things. So I'm not super confident on it. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, but yeah. But anyway, I think that's a good... I Lyrically, forget about it. It's not a good song. I think it's his attempt at like 90s white guy talking about... What's he say? Black, the black experience. Oh, don't say it. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't. It's it's just like. Does he say the N word? No, but he makes. It's not even really clear. Like it doesn't get a yeah. Um, like I, I am kind of unsure about putting promoting a song called "My Black Ass," mm-hmm. which is what this song is called, by a bunch of white guys. It's called "My Black Ass." Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I you know, the 90s were just the Wild West in terms of uh, messaging. Yeah, well, and also it was Pe- people trying to talk about something, being like, why are people talking about this? And now we're like, hey, you're not who should be talking about it, though. You're not, you don't have it covered. Yeah, I mean, like the 90s, were, I mean, the 90s were like, you know, clerks and fucking chasing Amy where it was like, hey, I'm not gay, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a weird time for messaging. Mm, ah, messaging. Um, next song for you? Yes. So now we are fighting the dragon, and the dragon is going to murder somebody because you're not a good dungeon master unless you drop someone to zero hit points. And so we need the roughest of metal, but it also needs to be beautiful and melodic because a beautiful dragon fight is also beautiful. And so I have chosen Baroness from the Yellow and Green album, Take My Bones Away. Released on YouTube in 2012. Was it? Mm-hmm. I love Baroness. I saw them live at uh, Monterey. Oh, it was okay. Yeah. This whole this whole it's a double album. All of their albums are based on colors. There's like a red, blue. This is yellow and green. Was a double album. And uh, this one just like it's a headbanger. Uh, Sweaty, yeah. long-haired men They're yelling in deep voices. Lead, uh, lead guitarist is a woman. In Baroness? Mm-hmm. No. Gina, Gina Gleason. No, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Currently. They've had different members. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that the lead... Oh, the lead guitarist. Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were saying the singer. No, lead guitarist. Uh, They're from Lexington, Virginia, which um, I liked. Yes, they're from Virginia. Mm-hmm. They're really good. And, you know, another nice thing about them is if you like heavy metal, but you don't want it to just be like Slayer all the time where it's just someone screaming, they are very melodic. They're called like melodic metal. So mm-hmm. a lot of their metal is sort of pretty. I think a lot more metal than people know is. I mean, sort of like we were saying with Iron right. Maiden, like people think that it's going to be like, in the devil. And yeah, it's like, they think it's going to be like, and Slayer is like that. And yeah. uh, and it's used as a punchline. Death metal is like that. Yeah, but. death metal is like that. It's just going to be like, boom, 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 boom. But, it, you know, this stuff is very beautiful. That particular song is roughneck and and and, and, and nasty. So it's sort of like a, a, a soaring battle, like... Yeah, that righteousness, that... and yet some so someone dies or almost dies. Well, what I only saying? say, is there a healing spell of uh, uh, like possible? Whoever was singing "Hallowed by Thy Name" is probably the cleric, and he can cast a healing spell. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what this what happens in this fight. All I know is oh, okay. that you know, take my bones away is what he's singing later, and that makes me think, don't let my body just rot here in the dragon's den, right, man. Yeah. Take my bones back to Halfling Village. Heal me, or heal me. That'd be good too. Okay, maybe yeah, pay. Yeah. Maybe you can. Yeah, you don't, can don't save up for just... a resurrection spell. Mm-hmm. There's uh, options. Sure. Um, so this is a situation. Where you would, if you were DMing this, mm. you would be like, "I really gotta stick it to somebody." Oh, uh, in but every, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. In every boss fight, you should be able to uh, use the monsters to take somebody down. It should be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think so. And uh, usually the players are so good. Like if they're good, if they know how to strategize, they'll kind of get around it, and they'll just they'll just kick your monster's asses but in a boss fight you better make it really dangerous and scary people get so upset when their characters die 
Well, yeah. What are they supposed to do? Like, go get snacks? People, well, but it's not just that. It's just like people get really attached to their characters. I I, I sometimes uh, dungeon master for kids. Mm-hmm. And I was dungeon mastering at this camp. And a kid who was like an 11-year-old boy who was really enjoying himself and getting really into the game, uh, his character didn't die. His character took damage. Okay. His character lost like three hit points and he started crying. Well, that's also kids like not being used to any kind of loss and any kind of like losing. It's an amazing connection, though, that he's made to this character so quickly, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, that's one way to see it. It's it's just like, yeah, it did hurt him emotionally to be hurt in the game world. I, I also I often think about the phrase, um, if this is the worst thing that ever happened to you, then you're lucky. That, you know, like a lot of times parents will say when someone's upset, but when you're a kid, it is the worst thing that you have had happen. Like you haven't had that much stuff happen. Yeah. So like for that kid, like, holy shit, what? I didn't even know this was an option. I am wounded. Yeah. 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 And and it it really kind of taught me something about players, too. They don't. They are the worst. I mean, I try not to hate the player and just hate the game, but. Sure players well i mean no people that play these games like what i didn't realize is like a lot of them like they don't want okay it's funny so you're making a story for people right and in a story you need conflict and in the best stories the heroes get really low right that's the whole how to write a screenplay there's got to be the low you're at the lowest of the low right before the climax or whatever but like when people play a game, they just all is lost. All the all is lost moment. But when people play a game, they don't want that necessarily. They want to just be feel powerful and empowered and like they're winning and like they made the most optimal strategic choices. So D and D is a very weird combination of two yeah. things. It's a combination of stories which require the Lots. heroes to hurt, and it's the it's the and games which. Are, are played by people who want to not make one mistake. Like, people that play chess, you know, Bobby Fischer, he made no mistakes, right? <laughs> like, so it's weird that those two things combine, in a way, in, in Dungeons & Dragons. I am in a an acting class currently. Okay, I'm so surprised! Are you? No, are not you at just all. acting? I've well, never, not. I, I haven't taken one. I mean, not really? since college. No. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, improv, but, like, not acting. And so when I had to get up the first time, I was sitting there being like, like part of my brain was like, I want to nail this and be like, dunk, see, perfect actor right out of the gate. I can do it all. I don't even need it. And had to like have this conversation in my head with myself being like, no, you don't. You want them to teach you things. You want to not be great so they can fix the stuff. And I don't know, that just sort of reminded me of what like what you were saying reminded me of absolutely that, where it's like no you don't want to just be like perfect choice perfect choice perfect choice perfect choice into the game i win right like yeah i mean uh I, there's so many things like that where i, I remember when i took karate when i was it like doesn't feel like it. you don't want it when i was 15 years old they were like you're trying too hard you gotta mm. loosen up a little bit you know like hmm. Like, have fun with it. And I'm like, have fun with the martial arts. It is a discipline. And oh, they gosh. were like, you're you're so rigid. You like, must have been such an intense kid. 
Oh, and an intense man. <laughs> but we're working on it. Oh, I mean, me too. Like, I was definitely, I will I will succeed. Sure. I but need to do this correctly. These things are, it's hard to find that balance of, I want to. I want this to be so good. I want to do such a perfect job. Um, but I think a lot of times, especially performing stand-up maybe, you will do better if you just kind of enjoy yeah. the ride. Yeah. And sure. people are like, oh, I'm, like, who would people like to hang out with more? The, I am going to ex- execute this joke correctly. Yeah. Or they're like, eh, I'm having fun up here. Sure. You know, I mean, you don't want to go too far in that direction so you Nothing don't matters. even have material. But Sure, it's a balance. Exactly. It's a balance. I feel like I say that way too often. I'm like, it's a balance. It's a balance. Well, but it's true. And that's what I think is missing in a lot of parts of life right now, that we want black and white things. We want yes and no instead of nuance. And it's going to be a little bit yes with a little no at the same time. And in a different situation, when the light changes, the no no parts will be yeses and the yes parts will be noes. And yeah, it's 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 hard. It's hard, like maybe in this political sphere, when when one person is super cartoonishly evil, it kind of throws the balance out of all sides (laughs) of the argument. Um, But there you go. We don't have to get deep into that because you do you do know that I'm talking about Hillary Clinton when I say cartoonishly evil. Well, of course. Yeah. I'm very I've seen pro your MAGA. tattoos. Yeah. Uh, you don't cover your neck. I've seen yeah. them. Um, your MAGA neck tattoo. Um, so we're still fighting that dragon. Yes. So, uh, but at some point we must wound this dragon. Yes. And begin to take it down. Yes. And this is uh, Drain Me Filter by Snapcase. Off of Looking Glass Self in 1993. More 90s hardcore! So there's someone like kind of slow motion flying through the air, probably holding a sword and like plunging it right into the spot. I love this. It sounds like metal too. Yeah. This and is then the it moment shifts of, yeah. into another song. So let's keep going. Oh, that's when the sword went in. Yeah. And now everything in the whole room shifts. And now molten blood is pouring out in gouts of yeah. fiery blood. We're taking them down. Um. So yeah, this that is... That dragon is just creaming everywhere. <laughs> no, that's not... It's creaming all that's over not, the place. That's not what I meant. What, is that wrong? Time. Yeah, that's wrong. Oh, okay. Actually, you know what? I don't know how dragons do it. Maybe that is how they cream. In my in my setting, in yeah. my campaign setting, they cream. That that's a horny dragon. They get horny while they die. Yeah. <laughs> they get all juiced up. Death excites them. <laughs> um so Snapcase, uh, were from Buffalo and I said this was nineteen ninety three, right? Yes, okay. Um, I dig them. I, d- I dug yeah. I, I, what I heard there. i I was a big Snapcase fan. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, and I think we're murdering a dragon. We are. Do you want to know what happens next? Yes. Okay, so people will argue with my inclusion of this song, but I thought that once the dragon dies, it kind of needs sort of a a swan song, sort of a kind of like, I mean, he's been a dragon for a long time. This is who I was. This is why I was here. This is like, yeah. So It's a thing. It deserves to be honored. I agree. So I chose Adele's I Set Fire to the Rain. Which fee- is one? It's a song. Is this that's the point n- of view of the dragon? Yeah, I think so. I let it fall. My heart 
It's like remembering so like, the dragon because after like, you kill it, you're like I, the camera goes into the eye of the dragon, and yeah. then this perspective shifts, and we're coming back out of the eye by seeing the room from the dragon's point of view. Yeah. As she falls, it's a she dragon. Right. Oh. Yes, it was a she dragon, and, and now that the dragon's dying, you're like, wow, we kind of took a kind of a beautiful thing out of the world, you know? Yeah. And she uh, might be dying, but she did shit while she was here. Exactly. While she was here, she set fire to the rain. Which is like kind of feels like a dragony boast. Yeah. Also, that song, like that's what I'm talking about. So when she's like remembering her life, flying through the air, setting fields on fire. Right. Yeah. And and there's just sort of a, a medieval feel to that song for some reason. You know what it is? Adele's like a kind of a theater kid, I can tell. And then <laughs> theater nerdery is right. It, it's so close to Dungeons and Dragons nerdery. I mean, I guess she is. I wonder if she got a chance to. This was that song. Uh, oh, Adele, who who sings old standards type songs. Well, yeah, she's a theater is, nerd. Is off of Twenty One, her second album uh-huh. in 2011. Her first one was what 19. I guess. So, yeah, I guess that gives her a few years to, to be a theater kid, but not go hard into it. She was she was already in the studio. I think that she's... I think She wasn't practicing for Pippin. Look, the, there were theater she kids... should have been. There were the, theater kids who were more into their vocal apparatus. Mm-hmm. And then they're on a spectrum with theater kids who... Well, the tech kids who are, like, uh, super into medieval architecture. Mm-hmm. And Leatherman. Yes. Um... And then you get all the way there, just a hop, skip, and a jump to the Dungeons and Dragons nerds. Yeah, yeah. They're all different types of um, smart weirdos. Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum of people that you might not want to have sex with, but guess what? They're having lots of sex because they're <laughs> in theater. Yeah, yeah. They're probably polyamorous. They probably combine the literature of Tolkien into their lovemaking. There was this guy on, on my college campus that none of— uh, my friends ever knew, and I didn't know, but we all noticed him because he would have this big floppy hat, much like a wizard hat, but it also had pins all over it. Mm-hmm. And he had a staff mm-hmm. that he would walk with, like this bit, like as tall as him sort of staff. And he would walk across the commons in his cloak, of course. Of course. Floppy hat with pins and um, staff and always a different, ridiculously hot girl. There was yeah. always some sort of super hot girl, often dressed as some kind of wench, and we were always like, how does he find these girls? What is this? What is happening? I love that attractiveness is always a multicultural phenomenon. <laughs> so there are really hot girls who were raised in nerd families. Mm-hmm. You know, they went to Montessori schools. And they watched Star Trek The Next Generation with their parents. They went to PBS events and donated to PBS, and then... You know, they got to college and you're like, why is this hot girl fine with this neck beard? Because she always knew, yeah, someday she'd find a man with a real scraggly beard and glasses that are too small for his face. She wants to fuck a wizard, Harry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think this was a great playlist. Thank you. I had a good time. Thanks Um, for having me. Where can people join a campaign or follow you on social media? Great. At Jared Logan. And there are those two albums we mentioned, The yeah. Twilight Zor and um, My Brave Battle. They're on Spotify and iTunes and everything. Cool. And if Jared is in your town, go see him perform. Right. I'm doing a lot of dates. I don't know when this airs, but look for me in Chicago. and uh, this week. So. Oh, yeah? yeah? Wilmington, I'll be there in uh, end of March. And then Chicago, I'll be there at the end of April. Hell yeah. Look for my name, Jared Logan. And if you come and give him a 20-sided die, he will do nothing. Uh, no, we could play a game. 
if they if someone comes to a show <laughs> i love to do that i actually play games on tour all the time really? so and i like it when people yeah because people that want to play D are always nice people i've not yet to meet creeps so please don't make that come true but if anybody ever wants to send me a message oh you're coming to my town would you like to play a game before you perform that night yes i would oh that's so cool well please do that to him um and uh thank you thank you bye, bye. Thank you for listening to Cool Playlist. I'm Eliza Skinner. You can follow me on Twitter at at Eliza Skinner. You can follow the podcast at at Cool Playlist Pod. You can also find our website at coolplaylistpod.com and you can find links to all the playlists we make and anything we talk about and our Patreon. We don't have advertisers, so we rely on Patreon co-producers like you. The theme music is by Ross Bryant. The art and logo is by D. Billy at Duchess and the Queen Studio. And the podcast is produced by Cool DJ Aristotle Acevedo. Oh, and you can always rate and review us on iTunes. Everybody loves that. Bye.